0: Our listener support campaign continues. You can support the show on an ongoing basis for as little as $2 per month at patreon.greatdetectives.net. But today our focus is on those one-time donations, support.greatdetectives.net. Uh, also use the Zelle app. Send it to box13 at Net, or by mail to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, 15913, Boise, Idaho 83715. If you send along a donation of $25 or more, I'll happily send you one of several Colonial Radio Theater audio dramas. Among the options that we do have, there are five different adaptations of Perry Mason novels, as well as uh, six different uh, Father Brown-related releases. If you send along a donation of $75 or more, I'll happily send you uh, one of the great uh, Harry Nile releases from uh, Jim French Productions, or their Further Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. And if you send a donation of $125 or more, I'll send the CD version as well. A full list of available thank you gifts is over at uh, support.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Box 13, uh, the original air date on today's program, February the 13th, 1948, and the title is The Sad Night. Box
1: 13, with the star of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd, as Dan Holiday.
2: Dribbling old idiot. What did you do with it? I. I'm not going to tell you. <clears> How? <throat> no, be careful. Oh, shut up, Therese! We've got to find out what he did with that copybook. We've.
3: What's the matter?
2: Look. He's dead.
1: Dead? You killed him! Don't be stupid. He. He just. died. There's no one can prove anything. Just keep your mouth shut and help me find out what he did with the copybook. Well, well, well. Somebody sends me a copybook through Box 13. Now I wonder why. And now back to Box 13 and Dan Holliday's newest adventure The Sad Night. Child's copybook. And on the front cover was the name Marina Layton and a date, the year 1930 written in a childish, scrawled handwriting. I rippled through the pages. There was nothing of interest, at least. That's the way it looked then. But Susie thought differently.
4: Maybe it's some kind of a code, Mr. Holiday, L- like one to a buried treasure.
1: <laughs> Susie, with your imagination and my typewriter, we could go places.
4: Well, gee, the Count of Monty <laughs> Woolley found a buried treasure. That's
1: Monte Cristo, Susie. Two different people.
4: Well, they both had the beards. Oh look.
1: Huh? What's that?
4: It's a letter to Box thirteen. Listen. Box thirteen. A day or so ago you may have received a child copybook in the mail. If you did, I should appreciate it if you bring it to the address below. Yours truly, Therese Layton.
1: Hmm. Let me see that, Susie. Here. Six eight two one Lakeshore Boulevard. Hmm, swanky neighbor.
4: Are you going to take it back, Mr. Holliday?
1: Oh, yes, Susie. If only to see how the other half lives. So I went to six eight two one Lakeshore Boulevard. I tossed the copybook in the back seat of my car and it bounced on the floor. Maybe I was thinking about anything but the book, but when I rang the doorbell of the big house, I suddenly remembered I'd left the book in the car. I just about started back down after it when the door opened. Yes? I'm looking for Teresa Layton.
3: I'm Mrs. Layton. You you?
1: Holiday. Dan Holiday. I'm sorry, Box
3: 13. Of course. Uh, Please come in, Mr. Holiday. In the library, please. Thank you. Won't you sit down, Mr. Holiday?
1: (laughs) Thanks very much. It's very kind of you to come all this way to return the book. You see, it belongs to my little girl, and I suppose she sent the book to you in... Well, mischievously. Your little girl?
2: Yes, Marina. <laughs> Sometimes I think she's a problem child.
1: Oh, really? How old is she, Mrs. Layton?
2: Um, seven.
1: Did she tell you she sent the book to Box 13?
2: Well, no, as a matter of fact, she wouldn't say. Then her father found a newspaper with an advertisement cut from it. And? We got hold of a paper with the same date
3: and compared the page.
1: Nice detective work, Mrs. Layton.
3: I suppose all this uproar over a child's book seems a well, little stupid, doesn't
1: it? Oh, no, 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 not at all. But there's one question I'd like to ask.
3: Y- yes, Mr. Holliday?
1: You say uh, Marina's seven years old?
3: That's right. Why?
1: There's a date in the book, 1930. It seems to have been written the same hand as the rest. That date would, uh, would make her quite a big little girl, wouldn't it? I... Uh, I... Oh,
3: she put down that date, I suppose, well, not thinking.
1: Oh, yes, of course. Where is she now, Mrs. Layton? She's dead, Mr. Holliday. Huh? Mr. Holliday, this
3: is my husband,
1: Carl. How do you do? I'm very happy to know you, Mr. Holliday. You have the book. You get right to the point, don't you? Mr. Holliday, our daughter Marina is dead. We want the book merely for sentimental reasons. I could understand that if your wife hadn't lied to you. Bluntly, yes. (laughs) Therese, dear... Will you excuse us?
3: Yes, yes. I'll be upstairs.
1: My wife isn't well, Mr. Holliday. It's not an easy thing for me to say, but she imagines our daughter is still alive. Look, Mr. Layton, if I'd ever written a story with as many holes in it as yours, I'd be laughed out of the writing game. What do you mean? Your wife says Marina sent me the book, yet you say Marina's dead. You know, you two should get together. All right, Mr. Holliday, how much do you want for the book? Oh, now we're getting someplace. What's it worth to you? Five hundred. Oh, that's a lot of money for a child's copybook. You asked how much and I told you. Now, may I have the book? I don't think so. It's worth nothing to you, Mr. Holiday. Believe me, it's worth absolutely nothing to you. All right, maybe I'm just curious. Tell me why you want the book and maybe we'll do business. I can't tell you. Or you won't tell me. Is that it? I want that book. Now. I haven't got it with me. You're lying. All right, search me. I haven't got it with me. I forgot it. You're going to be difficult. Look, the book was sent to Box 13, obviously, not by you, your wife, or your daughter. You found out it was sent when you traced my end, right? All right. That means someone else sent it to me. I'll return the book when I find out who and why. Mr. Holliday, I'm going to get that book. All right, all right. We'll play a game. Book, book, book. Who's got the book? Now, goodbye, Mr. Layton. Goodbye, Mr. Holliday. You can find your way out, I hope? I think so. Oh, any time you want to tell me the reason behind all this, we may be able to do business. I think we'll do business, Mr. Holliday. Later. I left and... When I got home, I spent the rest of the day and most of the evening trying to figure out why anyone would be so anxious to get hold of the book. It was filled with a kid's scrawling handwriting, sums in addition, problems in subtraction, alphabets. Then I, I came to one page and stopped. It was filled with strange, weird-looking figures as a kid would try to draw human beings. But there was something about them that didn't look like a kid's work. They were grotesque, almost fiendish faces and distorted, twisted bodies. And underneath were three words in Spanish. La noche triste. The sad night. The words were scrawled too, but somehow they were different from the rest in the book. I kept turning back to that page, wondering, trying to connect something in my mind with those figures in the book. And I must have dozed off because the next thing I... Knew it was three in the morning. Turned off my light. Lay back in bed. Then... I was getting company unexpected. And I wasn't in the mood to entertain. Well, well, well. What a wonderful thing a skeleton key is. Like the magic words, open sesame. Somebody was looking for something and it wasn't Easter eggs on the White House lawn. I waited and then... Looking for something, bud? Whoever it was didn't wait for the floor show. I turned on the light. Yeah. He'd grabbed the book, but he'd left a knife behind. One that I picked up with a handkerchief. If there were fingerprints, he would introduce me to the jet. And Kling could do me that favor. (laughs) any idea who it was, Holiday? No, I haven't, Cling. You had our waltz in the dark. Oh, it must have been romantic. Oh, yes, yes. I was overcome. Look, can you get Prince off that knife handle? Seems to me you could pick an easier way of meeting people. Oh, I like the hard way. It makes for lasting friendships. Look, did he try to knife you? Well, I don't think he was doing KP with it. Why was he after you? He wasn't. Oh, I see. He breaks in at three in the morning. You surprise him, he pulls a knife on you. But he wasn't after you. It was just a social call, or maybe he was a visiting nurse. Playing with you, see, about those prints? Yeah. you prefer charges. Maybe, but uh, more important, he took something I want back. What? A child's copybook. A child... You know, Holiday, the more I see of you and this Box 13 you run, the more I believe in elves and pixies. Why did you have a child's copybook? I'm learning to write. You're going to keep this all to yourself, huh? Till I' find out what it's all about, okay, well, from what you say about the cookie who disturbed your Betty by this morning, he might have a record in that case, you can tell me who he is. You don't want me to pick him up? No, I'd rather have the pleasure. You see he hung one on my chin. he hung one on
2: here
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> come back in an hour. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Oh, Mr. Holliday. Gee, I've been trying to get in touch with you all morning.
1: And I was at headquarters, Susie.
4: Oh, what'd you do? <laughs>
1: oh, no, don't jump to conclusions. Why were you trying to get in touch? Look. Huh? When did this jump?
4: This morning. I picked up Box 13 mail at the Star Times and that note was in it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, as they say in the books, Susie, the plot thickens. In fact, it's so thick now I can't see a thing.
4: How'd you get that bruise on your chin?
1: I shaved with a baseball bat this morning.
4: Oh. Well, are you going to meet Marina Layton? Mm -hmm.
1: That's what she asked me to do in her letter. So if you want me, I'll be at...
4: At where she said, The lobby of the Camden Hotel. Mm -hmm.
1: So I got to the lobby of the Camden Hotel. It wasn't hard to find Marina Layton. She was dressed as she said she'd be. I took a good look before walking over to her. She was about... Uh 24, not pretty, but one of those faces that always says, uh, Wonderful day, isn't it? Okay. So maybe now I'd find out what all the excitement was about. I walked over. Oh, pardon me. Are you Marina Layton?
3: Yes. And you're...
1: That's it, box 13.
3: You know, I didn't think there was such a thing. I thought this would all turn out to be some sort of a joke.
1: Oh. Well, do we sit here?
3: If you like. Well, may I have it, Mr...
1: Holiday. First name's Dan.
3: All right. May I have the book, Dan? I, uh...
1: I haven't got it, Marina.
3: But you must have it. Mark said he sent it to you.
1: Oh, no. Another character in the show. And who's Mark?
3: He was my father's dearest friend. But surely you ought to know that.
1: Look, Marina, I... I don't know a thing.
3: I... Wait a moment. Here. Here's his letter to me.
1: You want me to read it? Yes. Dear Marina, for years I've kept something from you that your father wanted you to have. Now I know someone else wants it. But you can have it by writing to Box 13, care of the Star Times. I want to write more, but I don't dare. Just remember, your own name is a clue. Love, Mark. Well. Well, what? If your father wanted you to have what he gave you, this Mark, why didn't he try to get it from me?
3: Who? Who tried to get what from me?
1: Your father and mother, they...
3: That's crazy. My mother died when I was born. And my father disappeared almost five years ago. Oh,
1: now it begins to make some sense. Not much, but a little.
3: What are you talking about?
1: The character who said he was your father, he, he wanted that copybook of yours. He must have found out in some way that Mark had it.
3: But who was the man?
1: I don't know. He said he was your father.
3: I don't understand all this.
1: It's two of us. But listen, I... What's the matter? How do I know you're Marina Layton?
3: But uh, I am.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess you are. Because since someone already took the copy book from me early this morning, it would be a little senseless to try to get it this way. All right, Marina. What do you know about a copy book? Yours with the date 1930 written in it.
3: Copy book? Mine? But nothing. Nothing at all.
1: Huh? Now, wait a minute. All this business has to mean something. Don't you even remember a copybook?
3: I suppose I must have had one. Wait, of course. Black, ragged-looking. Alphabet's in it.
1: That's it? Now, what about it?
3: Nothing. It was just an ordinary book. I I scribbled in it and... Did you say 1930? Yes, why? Because in 1930, I was with my father in Mexico. I had the book then because I was being tutored by Mark and I I used it for my lessons.
1: Did you write anything in it that might, well, that might be important?
3: No, not a thing.
1: You must have. I didn't. Did you write the Spanish words, la noche chiste?
3: That that means the sad night.
1: Yes, I know. Did you write them?
3: No, I don't think so.
1: Then your father must have. But why?
3: Are you sure those words were in the book?
1: Of course I am. Oh, uh, would Mark know?
3: Mark? Why, Mark's dead.
1: And now back to The Sad Night, another Box 13 adventure with Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. We went to the place where Mark lived. Yes, he was dead. Heart failure, the doctor said. But we learned something else that he had had visitors the night he had died. And from a description of them, they could have only been the man and woman who as Marina's parents. And I learned a few things more from Marina. that Her father was an archaeologist, and in 1930, he was excavating Aztec ruins outside Mexico City. It was on the way back to Kling's office in my car that she told me some more.
3: Father disappeared in Brazil, almost five years ago. Then the remains of his expedition were found.
1: And your father? You.
3: He died, but he left records, letters for the museum.
1: And anything for you?
3: No, nothing. Are you sure? Yes.
1: Wrote letters to the museum, yet nothing for his daughter.
3: Why do you say it like that?
1: Doesn't it seem odd that he should leave letters and records for everyone but you?
3: Yes, it it does.
1: There are a lot of things that seem odd. You wait here, Marina. I'll be right up. To leave your office. Oh, what'd you find out? You were a distinguished company this morning. Little Georgie Garson, strong man, general hoodlum. Mm, I didn't think it was Little Eva. Want me to pick him up? Mm, i love your company. Okay, Kling, let's go. I want to ask Georgie a few questions. Took Kling about five minutes to get Georgie to talk. He told us he'd been hired to get that book and from his description of the guy who hired him. Well, it couldn't have been anyone else but the man who poses Layton the day before. And a quick trip to the house on Lakeshore Boulevard. We might as well have stood in bed. The fake Mr. and Mrs. Layton were gone, and with them, the copybook. book. Mm, left us at a dead end. But But at the morgue of the Star Times, Marina and I learned something else.
2: Uh-huh. I think we got lots of stuff on Albert Layton.
1: Start it out, Josie.
2: Yeah. He's the one who got himself lost in Brazil about five years ago, isn't he? Yeah, that's right. There's uh, a folder on him News clips, photos. That's Dad.
1: Look, look who is
2: this, Jonesy? Yeah, let me see. Oh, that's the guy you found, Layton, or what was left of the expedition. Name of Carl Bremer.
1: Oh, Mr. Bremer and the gent who wanted that book are one and the same. Did you ever see Marina?
3: Not that I remember.
1: Where were you when your father went to Brazil? In school. And you didn't see him again after he left for Brazil?
2: No.
1: Jonesy. Uh huh. You know a lot of things. What do the Spanish words, la noche triste, mean to you? Uh, nothing
2: except they mean
1: the sad night. Is that all? Yeah, why? Because they mean more than that. Marina, can you get a sample of your father's handwriting?
2: Oh, yes, of course.
1: And I've got a hunch that Bremer and his wife are leaving for Mexico. Hey, Dan. Yeah?
2: Look, this Layton was an archaeologist. Why don't you go to the museum to find out about him?
1: Good idea, Jonesy. Thanks. I've got a phone call to make first. My hunch is correct. We've got to stop Bremer from getting to Mexico. Let me get this straight, Dan. You want this Bremer and his wife picked up, huh? Yeah, that's it. What's the charge? You pick them up. I'll prefer charges. And maybe one of them will be murder. What? Will you do it? Well, what if they're out of the country by now? Exodite them. Gotta have a strong charge. I have. One causing the death of an old man by trying to force something out of him. Two hiring Georgie Garson to break into my apartment, and three attempting to defraud. Is that enough? Yeah, you make those charges stick. You get them, and I'll make them stick. Marina got a sample of the father's handwriting.
3: Is this what you wanted?
1: You sure this is your father's handwriting?
3: Of course. That's a letter from him just before he left for the interior of Brazil.
1: But the writing in the book, it was was nothing like this.
3: Well, maybe he didn't write it.
1: He must have. He. Wait a minute. Mind if I. uh, Mind if I write on the other side of this paper? No. Okay. Now watch. I'm right handed. But suppose I write like this with with my left hand. What's it look like?
3: Just a scrawl.
1: Sure, as a kid would write. As you would have written in 1930.
3: But why would he have done that?
1: To make it look as though you had written it.
3: That doesn't make
1: sense. It does make sense if you realize that your father had learned something. Something that was big enough to make him want to hide it. And where would he hide it? In a place no one would ever think of looking for. A kid's copybook.
3: No. No, he kept his, his notebooks. Everything he did was in his own notes.
1: But not this. You were with him in 1930. What was he doing?
3: I told you, working on the Aztec ruins outside of Mexico City.
1: And what did he find?
3: Findings were published. The museum has. Oh, a the
1: article. museum, the museum. What's the matter with me? Come on, Marina. Maybe we're getting someplace.
2: Yes, of course I know Albert Layton's work. He was a great man. world has lost a genius, Miss Layton. Too bad.
1: Look, Mr. Dougal, we want you to help us.
2: I'll do my best. You said over the phone that it was important, it had something to do with our Mexican antiquities here at the museum.
1: Yes, that's right. What did Professor Layton send here?
2: Well, uh, come in here, into the Aztec room.
3: I, I remember all these
2: things. Of course, everything isn't here. The Mexican museums were given their share, and oh, pardon me. Here, uh, look. What's the matter? Uh, look, look on that far wall. Look at those figures. Oh yes. Well, they're only copies. Quite well done, of course. The original paintings were lost when the Spaniards destroyed the temples.
1: The Aztecs I hardly were jealous more like people. Because on the far the wall American were the American same American figures I'd seen that in that
2: copybook—the
1: same grotesque, the weird Corte figures with their twisted the bodies that their and savage faces.
2: Were there were
1: three, were three of them. Their painted eyes the looked out at, at us, seemed to accuse us. I—I I turned to the curator, Mr. Dougal. Uh,
2: yes, Mr. Harliday. What—what are those figures? Well, they're Aztec gods. The one over here in the upper left is Quetzalcoatl, supreme god of the Aztecs. The one in the upper right is Huitzilopochtli. Lepocli. He's one of my favorites, a god of war. The one at the base of the triangle is Tlaloc, the god of rain.
1: Marina, those were the figures in your copybook, and they were above the words La Noche Triste.
3: But why? Why should Dad have done that?
1: Mr. Dougal,
2: what is that triangle? Well... Where each of those figures is painted was a temple long ago destroyed by the Spaniards under Cortez. In the center was one of the causeways that led to Tenochtitlan. That's today's Mexico City. It was over that causeway that the Spaniards made their escape on La Noche Triste.
1: La Noche Triste. Look, sit down, Mr. Dougal. I want you to tell me a lot more. The curator talked for an hour. And what he told Marina and me all added up. The copybook, the figures of those old Aztec gods. Oh, Marina's father had something all right. And he hid it in that copybook. No wonder Bremer wanted it. No wonder old Mark had kept it. And the whole thing made a story that went back over 400 years. A story of greed and bloodshed. One that reached out to touch me, Marina, old Mark, Bremer, all of us. Later in Kling's office, facing the Bremers, with Marina sitting there, too. All right, Holiday. Let's have it. First, I'll take that copybook, Bremer. All right. What good will it do you? None. And it wouldn't have done you any good, either. What do you mean? You caused the death of one man to get this. Another man, famous, respected, lost his head and tried to keep what he had found. But it wouldn't have done your father any good, either, Marina.
3: No, I I know.
1: What's the story, Dan? Well, it really begins, Kling, when Bremer found the remains of the late expedition in Brazil. He found letters, records. He brought some of them back with him, but some he didn't. That right, Bremer? You know everything. You tell it. Thank you. I will. One of the letters was to Marina, Marina, whose name is the same as the Indian girl who was Cortez's consort. That was the one you kept, Bremer. A letter telling Marina about the copy book and what it contained. All right, all right. What is it, Holiday? Let's let's go back to July 1st, 1520, to Hernan Cortez and his army, the army that marched through Mexico and destroyed the Aztec Empire. That's got something to do with all this. Everything. On that night, the Aztecs rose up in fury against the Spaniards. They had thought Cortez and his men were gods, but they found out differently. They determined to drive the Spaniards out forever. The Spaniards took all the gold they could carry. The Aztecs went after them. They trapped Cortez and his army on one of the causeways that led to the city. The causeways were narrow. There were thousands of Indians in canoes. All night long, the battle went on until until in the morning, 450 of the Spaniards were dead and thousands of Aztecs. But Cortez and a remnant of his army escaped, got to the mainland. And uh, the copybook, those three words, La Noche Triste, The Sad Night are written into Mexican history as the night Cortez and his army and the Aztecs fought and killed each other until the canals were choked with them. The gold the Spaniards took with them did them no good. They couldn't fight with it or eat it. So sobbing and screaming, they dumped the treasure into the waters of the canal and it sank into the mud of the bottom. It's never been found. Marina's father thought he had located it. But look. Here's a map of modern Mexico City, where the causeways once ran. There are streets and houses, so you see no one will ever find that thing. And maybe, maybe it's just as well. It's, it's too red with blood to be of any use to anyone. <laughs>
4: But, gee, Mr. Holiday, if all that gold's there, why doesn't somebody go after
1: it? Oh, you too, Susan.
4: Oh, no, I guess not. But, oh, tell me something, Mr. Holiday. What were the names of those Aztec gods? Uh,
1: quit. Uh, uh, uh winking, blinking, and nod. Good night, Susan. Next week, same time, through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, Ellen Ladd stars as Dan Holiday in Box 13. Box 13 is directed by Richard Sandville with an original story by Russell Hughes. Original music is composed and conducted by Rudy Schrader. Part of Susie is played by Sylvia Picker and that of Lieutenant Kling by Edmund MacDonald. Production is supervised by Byrne Carstensen. This is a Mayfair
2: production from Hollywood. Watch for Alan Ladd in his latest Paramount Pictures.
0: Welcome back. Well, a really effective use of the Box 13 format. Uh, I just liked how this one moved uh, and the twist and turns the plot took. So this is just really well constructed. Dan is on top of his game, you know, really thinking things through and coming uh, up with a good solution and continuing just to follow every clue. Uh, and he found his clue analogical uh location you know didn't find it in the Star Times Morgue, which has actually kind of become a regular place he visits uh for information and solving a case and in many ways, that makes sense because you know both in being a journalist as well as being a novelist, a big part of the research that you do. Uh, and, you know, or, you know, your success, the key to it is just being able to produce the right people to give you the right information. We start with uh some comments and feedback from Eric on Facebook, who suggests some ends for uh some recently departed series. Regarding Rocky Jordan, Eric writes, this, along with Nightbeat, became uh, my favorite show despite how it limped. Uh, to an ending once Moyles left. I know they didn't do series finales in old time radio, but if they did, the only true way to leave Rocky is with him and Sam sipping a coffee at a cafe on the banks of the Nile. Uh, friends out of work as well as in. I think that's the way I'm going to picture them as we fade out. Well, that's a pretty solid ending, uh, for that one, uh, and he, uh, then goes ahead, he writes on the last episode of Boston Blackie. I started out really, really disliking Boston Blackie and stuck with it. Uh, Based on something you said about how it improves. It really did, first by adding Blackie and Faraday, uh, making Blackie and Faraday work together, then adding Mary, and finally, as the dynamic grew a little stale, adding more time with the criminals and side characters. Not many old time radio shows made changes to stay relevant for such a long period of time. This, though, seems like a good spot for the series to end. The formula was getting kind of stale. Again, as you said, there were recurring themes like the bad guys leaving a line of easily traceable bodies. Until the final episode shows up, I'll just imagine the last moment of the series. Faraday finally pins a crime on Blackie like he wanted to so long ago, but doesn't have the heart to press charges because he's proved he's reformed and they've become such close friends. Hmm... That's, a, I guess, an interesting uh, conclusion, and, yeah, I could kind of see that. Uh, series finales, it's an interesting uh, topic. Uh, I listened to a podcast with uh, Greg Taylor. Uh, you may know the name. He did the Decoder Ring Theater podcast. It's still putting out episodes, but they're doing more uh, audiobooks than audio dramas, and the series, uh, Blackjack Justice, which was his, uh, hard-boiled detective post-war, uh, series, uh, came to an end after the 11th season, uh, when Christopher Mott, uh, got a job, which essentially meant that he couldn't do it anymore. Christopher Mott, the star who played Blackjack Justice. And Taylor said he did not actually see the need to do a series finale. He said, you know, there are some series that you absolutely have to have a finale. You know, he said, you know, MASH needed a finale. But he said, you know, many mo- series don't. Uh, you know, he said Black Jack, Black Jack, Justice didn't. And I, I could definitely see that. Uh, because Black Jack Justice, like a lot of series, uh, just kind of, you know, it goes along, it does its thing, and there's not really like any progression in plot or ongoing goals. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I'm currently listening through the Red Panda Adventures, and that series, you know, it better have a finale in, uh, Season 10, because, you know, which is, you know, that's also written by Taylor, uh, because, you know, there are so many Plots and threads that are going places, and, and you know there are series. I feel it's uh, necessary, you know, necessary to have a series finale like Monk. That series needed to have a finale because throughout that entire series, his goal, that his you know great white whale, was to find out who had killed his wife, and that needed to be taken care of. That needed to be solved. Uh, and there was so much that uh, had to be taken care of in that, you know, final episode. So I would have been upset if Monk didn't have a season finale, a series finale, I should say. Uh Columbo, on the other hand, I'm kind of okay with just imagining that Lieutenant Columbo continued to have uh many more adventures and mysteries. You know, God kept solving mysteries into his 70s, so past the mandatory retirement age, because he's Columbo. So it's definitely uh, a tricky thing uh, as to whether they're needed, and there is a good case that, you know, some cases that it's not required. And yeah, I, I think both Boston, Boston Blackie and Rocky Jordan, we could kind of just imagine them going on, continuing to do what they were doing, uh forever. Uh but as Eric alluded to, uh series finales were really rare in old-time radio. There were a couple that had them. I think Candy Matson did. And I think that really did make sense just because just to b- bring resolution to her pursuit of uh Detective Mallart Though there ironically some people don't care much for that uh ending to the series. And then uh, we have this from Bill, who writes, First Rocky Jordan, and now Boston Blackie, rides off into the sunset. And like Rocky Jordan, one of the main characters, Mary Wesley, didn't make an appearance I've been a fan of Boston Blackie ever since I saw the Chester Morris films on TMC about 15 years ago, and I've really enjoyed the radio episodes with both leads, even though I'm not very fond of puns. I was hoping that before the end of the series, there would be an episode where Blackie's uh, first name Horatio was revealed. I'm sure uh, Faraday would have had a field day with that. Thanks. Well, who knows, it may be in a uh, lost episode, Bell. Uh, which brings us the comment from Jody. I'm going to miss Boston Blackie. It's been one of my favorite shows. I also hope they find some lost episodes. Thank you for bringing to us. Well, you're welcome, man. There is, you know, some reason to hope for lost episodes. Uh, actually, uh, you know, two of the episodes that we played, I don't know which one specifically, uh, right off, but, uh, they came into, uh, being because somebody found a transcription disc of uh, some Boston Blackie episodes that were not in circulation and just put it on eBay, and it got bought by someone who helped make it available. So there's always that possibility. Certainly Boston Blackie was a syndicated series, and it was syndicated for many years after its first earring, which, you know, gives it a lot of time for there to be discs that land wherever, in. And- I'm sure folks will be looking forward to the possibility of finding more, particularly if they have the champagne velvet beer ads. Thanks so much for the comments. And I do want to go ahead and uh, remind you, listener support campaign continues. Uh, You can support the show on a one-time basis, support.greatdetectives.net, using the Zelle app to box 13 at greatdetectives.net. If you send along a donation of $75 or more and live in the U.S., I'll happily send you uh, one of the Agatha Christie, uh, either her Complete uh, Poirot short stories or Complete Miss Marple short stories, uh, either one with a donation of $75 or more. And for a donation of $50 or more, I'll send along a DVD, The Michael Shane Mysteries, Volume 1. Uh, four a uh, film starring Lloyd Nolan as Michael Shane, a full list of available thank you gifts over at support.greatdetectives.net. I want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you so much uh, to Lisa. Lisa has been one of our Patreon supporters since August 2018, currently supporting the show at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Lisa. And that will do it for now. Join us back here tomorrow for It's a Crime, Mr. Collins. And then on Wednesday, we will be premiering uh, The Man Called X. And on Thursday, Raffles. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net.